0: Beloved Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Last month, the news was filled with stories about a woman judge. Amy Coney Barrett was appointed to the United States Supreme Court. Now, throughout the lengthy confirmation process, Mrs. Barrett showed herself to be an extremely competent judge. And what's even more impressive is that alongside her work as judge, Mrs. Barrett, together with her husband Jesse, still managed to take care of seven children. So Amy Coney Barrett stands out as both a judge and a mother. Now, the same thing can be said of another woman, a woman from our text. Our text this morning describes another woman judge the Judge Deborah. And she, too, is not only called a judge in Israel, but also a mother. That term is given to Deborah in Deborah 5, Deborah's song, a mother in Israel. And the Lord appointed her to this task for a very important reason. You see, this, again, was a dark time in Israel's history. The nation had turned from God again. And Jabin, king of Hazor, oppressed Israel cruelly through Sisera and his army. And looking at the situation, there seemed to be no one who could overcome this great force that oppressed Israel greatly. But that is until the Lord used Deborah as a judge and a mother in Israel to raise up godly seed who would save God's people. That's why I've summarized the sermon this morning as follows. Through a mother in Israel, the Lord raises up godly seed, or godly children, who strike dead the seed of the serpent. We have three points. First of all, recognize the two seeds, or the two kinds of offspring. Second, see God fight For his people. And third, join in the war. So, in the sermon theme, I chose the word seed or offspring, even though it's not specifically mentioned in our text. And I did this because of what God promised in Genesis 3, verse 15. After the fall into sin, the Lord declared war on the devil, on the serpent. He said, I will put enmity or hostility between you and the woman and between your seed or children and hers. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. And this promise of God in Genesis 3 is is important for understanding what is going on in our text. We saw some of this spiritual battle last week with Ehud and Eglon. And that battle continues here as well. So, we should view our text in light of God's promises in Genesis 3, enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. We see this, first of all, in the various women involved in our text. First, we meet Deborah. Judges 5, again, calls Deborah a mother in Israel. And as a mother in Israel... Deborah is busy raising up godly children among the covenant people of God. And this is how we should view Deborah's office as judge and as prophetess. She is bringing forth godly seed, godly children through the word of God. And that role is not restricted to Deborah alone. All the women, all the girls among the church have this role as well. Remember, you are prophetesses in Jesus Christ. And God wants you to bring forth godly seed, godly children in God's church. And That's not just, that's not just something for those among us who have their own physical children. It includes all of you. Any woman or girl in our church can be a mother in Israel as you seek to spread and speak the word of God to raise up godly offspring in Christ's church. It can be a big sister to her younger siblings, perhaps. It can be an aunt to her nephews and nieces. It can be a, uh, an elderly woman, woman to her grandchildren, perhaps other members, young members in the church. And of course, it includes physical mothers teaching their children the Word of God. This is the task, the role that Deborah took on. And the most notable seed God raises up through Deborah is Barak. Now, we might wonder about this. Deborah here is a judge and prophetess in Israel, and she's teaching uh, all the people in the land, it seems, Barak and seems all the men seems to be ruling over them in a way. And various New Testament passages seem to speak against this sort of thing. Think of 1 Timothy 2. Paul says through the Holy Spirit, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. And indeed, God, by His choice, has decided that the teaching offices in the church are for men. However, in our text, it appears that the the men are failing in their duty. Barak shows himself extremely reluctant to go to war, and he's representative of the other men in Israel. It's clear from Deborah's song that many tribes were unwilling to go to battle. And when the men fail to speak and heed the word of God, God will use the women for this. No, I know of similar situations in mission and mission contexts in Asia where God used women to teach in the church because there were simply no men to do the work. And Deborah here does this work admirably. <clears throat> and Deborah, as a mother in Israel, then contrasts with another mother in this story. And that's the mother of Sisera. Now, Sisera's mother is not she doesn't receive much attention. She's mentioned only near <coughs> excuse me, near the end of Deborah's song in Judges 5. And she also raises up seed or children. But she raises up the seed of the serpent, the deadly and ungodly Sisera. And again, not much is said about her, but what is said is extremely important. Deborah sings. Out of the window she peered, the mother of Sisera wailed through the lattice. Why is his chariot so long in coming? Why tarry the hoofbeats of his chariots? Her wisest princesses answer. Indeed, she answers herself. Have they not found and divided the spoil? A woman or two, a womb or two for every man? Spoil of dye materials for Sisera? Now, we we first might be horrified at what Deborah is doing. I mean, she's cheerfully singing about the lament of Sisera's mother as she pictures Sisera's mother crying about the death of her, her potential death of her son. But on the other hand, listen to what Sisera's mother is saying. Sisera is delaying coming home. She fears that Sisera has died. And she comforts herself by thinking that Sisera must be delayed because he is busy raping the women of Israel. Can you believe that? What kind of woman is this? It's almost enough to make Jezebel blush. You know, if this is Sisera's mother, it's no wonder why Sisera turned out the way that she did, or the way that he did. This is why our text says, The people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, for Sisera had 900 chariots of iron, and he oppressed the people of Israel cruelly for 20 years. The seed of the serpent is cruelly oppressing the people of God. And in the ancient world, when we hear that One army cruelly oppressed a nation. It means cruelly. Sisera, the head of Jabin's army, would have been an extremely tough man. You don't become the captain of an army of 900 chariots by being a sissy. And you can be sure that Sisera led many violent escapades against the people of God. Judges 5 says that the Israelites kept off the main roads. That's because they were living in fear. You never knew when Cicero and his sons would come by to pillage, to rape, and to murder. This is the seed of the serpent at work. I can't help but thinking of other conquerors in history. Genghis Khan comes to mind in the 12th century Genghis Khan and his armies invaded lands far and wide. They too murdered and raped and pillaged as they went. You know, I came across a, just a, a, quite an astounding fact the other day. Some gen- geneticists estimate that in most of Asia, millions and millions of people, about 10% of the men are directly descended from Genghis Khan himself. That's quite something. How many women did Genghis Conning pregnant in his cruel escapades? Well, how many people in Israel were descended from Syria, si- Sisera, as the seed of the serpent tries to take over the people of God? That helps us to see something of the character of the, of the seed of the serpent trying to oppress the people of God, trying to overcome them through cruel ways. It helps us see something else about these two seeds. Two offspring. Those who oppose God and his people often look so powerful. King Jabin's men back home were pumping out quality war machinery. They acquired hundreds of horses, they skillfully trained them for war. Sisera had 900 chariots of iron in his army. This was a punishing force struck the Israelite hearts with terror. And in contrast to Sisera, the seed of the serpent, the seed of the woman appears small and weak. Look at Barak. Deborah calls him to lead Israel into battle, but he doesn't want to go. He tells Deborah, if you will go with me, I will go, but if you will not go with me, I will not go. Well, that's not the sort of courage you want from the the captain of your army. You know, I I know this sounds politically incorrect in the ears of 21st century hearers, but in the ancient world, Barak would have been the laughingstock of the nations. He's too afraid to go to war unless a woman goes with him. You can almost hear Sisera laughing at him. However, from a human point of view, we can understand Barak's reluctance Deborah's song in Judges 5 says that a spear or shield could not be found among 40,000 in Israel. They hardly had any weapons. How's an army of untrained soldiers with farm tools supposed to defeat Sisera's war machine? And that's how it often looks in this spiritual battle. The church might look very small might look insignificant in the eyes of the world. And Satan's kingdom can seem rich, influential, powerful, and that that can make the people of God afraid as Barak was. But let us also remember these words from 1 Corinthians 1. The Spirit says through Paul, Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. That's what's going on in our text. God, by His power, is going to use the weak to shame the strong. and He still does that today, so do not be afraid. God does this for the glory of His name. And God fights for His people, and in the end, that's all we need. That brings us to our next point. See God fight for His people. So Sisera the seed of the serpent, trusted in his own strength. His hope is in his chariots, and his his hope looks secure. And this presented a temptation to God's covenant people. Heber, a man named Heber, is mentioned in our text, the husband of Jael. Seems he also put his confidence in Jabin's might. Heber was a Kenite, and earlier in Israel's history, these Kenites, they joined with Israel and became faithful to the Lord, Uh, Othniel, Othniel, the first judge of Israel, he was a Kenite. But verse eleven says Heber separated himself from the Kenites. He made peace with Jabin, and he put his trust in Jabin's Jabin's might. He probably benefited uh, financially from this move. No oppression for him. But Heber was a covenant breaker. He turned away from God. He turned away from God's Word. He joined God's enemies. And the word of, words of James 4 apply to Heber, Friendship with the Lord is hostility towards God. Heber found his friendship in the world and turned his back on God and his people. We must guard ourselves against the same thing, guard against covenant-breaking, James 4, friendship with the world is enmity or hostility toward God. Now, Barak felt weak. How can he fight against Sisera's army? But Barak learns to trust in the Word of God and in the promises of God, and this is what marks out true Christians. The people of God trust God's Word. They learn to trust God's promises. They trust God's salvation. They heed God's call. Christians follow the Word of God wherever it leads them. That's the mark of true Christians. This is what really makes Deborah stand out in our text. She has complete confidence in the Word of God when she tells Barak to go to war, it's simply a matter of fact. This is what God has said, so go. Be of good courage. It's the same confidence our Lord Jesus Christ always showed in the Word of God. This is God's Word. So we will follow it. The Bible commands us to stand firm. This is what it looks like. I recall hearing the words... Uh, years ago, from an, an older believer, and this was her approach. She said, God's word says it, I believe it, and that settles it. You know, it might sound simple, but it's, it really is beautiful. We do well to take the same approach God's word says it, I believe it, that settles it. Now, again, it's clear that Barak's faith is really weak. We might feel weak at times, too. But the important thing is, he still has faith. He does not reject God's Word outright. He still acts on God's Word, even in his weakness. And God's promises to him through Deborah, they are going to make him strong. Hebrews 11 speaks about those who lived by faith. Barak is mentioned there, and it says he became strong in battle through faith. And so by God's grace, Barak went to war. And indeed, God's promises to us in Jesus Christ, that's what makes us strong in the spiritual war. For consider what God has done to fight for His people in Jesus Christ. Deborah sings about Sisera's demise at the end of Judges 5. She sings, So may all your enemies perish, O Lord, but your friends be like the sun as he rises in his might. We must understand by nature we are enemies of God. In our sin, our rebellion, we join the seed of the serpent. And we, by our sin, deserve the same death Sisera died in our text. But what did God do? God sent his own son to die in our place. Consider this for a moment. Jesus Christ died a similar death as Sisera. Have you ever thought about that before? Christ died because people took a hammer and some spikes and they pierced his body through. Christ was put to death much like jail put Cicero to death. And there on the cross, God did treat Christ like one of his enemies. But he did this so that he could shower us with his grace and with his mercy He did this so that our sins would be paid for and we could have eternal life. God did this to Jesus Christ so that we could be counted the friends of God and could be like the sun as it rises in its might as Deborah sings in Judges 5. And if this is what God did for us in Christ, then we can have confidence that God will fight for us as He has promised Well, Barak has good reason for confidence. The Lord was fighting with him. Well, the battle scene in, in Judges 4 is, is very short. It simply states the Lord routed Sisera and before Barak by the edge of the sword, and that's it. All that worry, Barak had nothing to, to worry about. It's almost as if the battle is a passing remark as if it's no big deal. When we look at Judges 5, we can see a little bit why this is. Now, The battle took place in northwestern Israel near the Kishon River. But before the battle took place, God was getting ready for war in the southeast of Israel. Deborah sings at the beginning of Judges 5 that the Lord marched out from Edom, southeast of Israel. And as he went, the heavens dropped water. Rain fell from the clouds. And Judges 5, verse 21 says that at the battlefield, the torrent of the Kishon River swept Sisera's army away. His chariots. It seems that God sent a powerful storm just at the right time to help Israel in battle. It was probably a flash flood that rendered Sisera's chariots useless. That's so often how God works. The enemy trusts in his chariots, and so in a moment, God renders his chariots useless. Right? A person's idol will be his or her downfall. When we turn to the Lord, when we trust in Him and in His word and His promises, victory is secured because God is faithful and powerful. So the entire army of Cicero is defeated by God, How the tables have turned, Sisera, the man of strength, his strength has disappeared disappeared in a moment. Barak, the man of little strength, is strengthened by the Lord. He has become strong in battle by God, and so he is victorious. God makes his people strong. God gives us the victory. There's one last job to do. Sisera himself must be defeated. But Barak will not be the one to get him. Although he did have faith, he also did not at first have full confidence in God's word. So the Lord declares to him through Deborah, The Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. The glory will not go to Barak. This is one last way the Lord fights for his people in our text. Heber had made peace with Jabin. He also moved his tents close to Kadesh, close to the battlefield. And Sisera thought he had a refuge here. However, not everyone in Heber's household went along with Heber's actions. Jael most emphatically did not want to be friends with Jabin and Sisera. The Lord was faithful to his promises. promise in Genesis 3, I will put enmity or hostility between the woman... Think of jail and the serpent in between her seed and his. The Lord worked in the heart of jail to maintain that hostility. She would not become friends with the world. She would not reject the word of God for God's people. And God worked to bring Heber and jail to live near the battlefield. He was already working to bring Sisera down. God is at work in the little details of life. No one can fight against him and and win. God will always be victorious. That should give us great comfort. Even when our enemies look strong, trust in God, trust in his word, Jesus Christ gives us a victory God is at work, even in the little details of life, to make us victorious in the end. That brings us to our last point. And because God fights for His people, He calls us to fight with Him in this spiritual battle, and that's something that Jael did. Right? Sisera fled on foot. He came to the tent of Heber, and Sisera greeted him, brought him inside, and then Sisera lay down, exhausted from the battle. He asked Jael for a drink of water. She gave him milk. And this lulled Sisera into a false sense of security. It also lulled him to sleep. And as Sisera slept, Jael grabbed a hammer and a tent peg. She crept as quiet as a cat up to Sisera. And then she drove a tent peg through his temple and into the ground. Seed of the serpent was struck dead. The hands of a woman. Seed of the woman has crushed the head of the seed of the serpent. Now again, this is shockingly violent. You no, know, I almost wanted to begin my sermon this morning as I began it last week. The Old Testament is violent. It's simply gruesome here. And yet... Jail is praised by God for her actions. And Deborah even sings, Most blessed of women be jailed. Twice, she sings. Most blessed of women be jailed. We might wonder about that. If you have daughters, do you want your daughters to grow up to be like jail? Deborah? Yes. Someone like Amy Coney Barrett? Sure. But tent peg jail? Is that the kind of woman we should admire? And here's another layer to this. Deborah sings in Judges 5, most blessed of women be jail. This is the same praise given to the Proverbs 31 woman. Right? The children of the Proverbs 31 woman rise up and call her blessed. And this is the same praise given to Mary, the mother of Jesus. In Luke 1, she confesses, all generations will call her blessed. But when you think of someone like the Proverbs 31 woman, when you think of someone like Mary, the mother of Jesus, I'm sure that the first person that comes into your mind is not Jael, the wife of Hemer. But she receives this praise. Why? Well, there was this peace between Heber and Jabin. Sisera had this little niche in the land of Israel where he could find refuge. He'd undoubtedly been to Heber's tent over this 20-year period. He'd been there before, most likely. It's clear from our story that Jael knew who Sisera was. And you can be sure that Jael had heard about this cruel oppression against the people she loved, against the people of God. And Jael would not go along with her husband's unholy alliance. She aligned herself completely with the people of God, with God's word and with God's promises. And these are undoubtedly traits that you will find in the Proverbs 31 woman and with Mary, the mother of Jesus. See, Jael put God first in her life. She put put God before her husband. She put God before her own comforts. Like Moses, she would rather share the reproach of God's people than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin for a time, and that's why she is praised. That's why she did what she did. Why should we want her daughters to grow up to be like Jail? Not because she's handy with a hammer and a tent peg. It's because Jail was ready and willing to join God in the battle against sin and against Satan. Jail realized, perhaps better than anyone, the seriousness of spiritual war. She knows that the people of God are in a kill or be killed battle. We must realize this too. 1 Peter 2, verse 11, urges us to keep away from sinful desires which war against your soul. They war against your soul, sinful desires. And what would happen if we all took the same approach to our sinful desires as Jael did to Cicero? What would happen if the women and the girls among us, with the same determination as Jael, put to death things like envy, gossip, jealousy, thoughts of adultery, and desire for revenge? What would happen if the men and the boys among us, with the same determination as jail, put to death things like pride and greed and lust and anger and hatred? These things war against your soul. And so let us put them to death. God calls you to join him in this war. We can see from the story that there is praise for those who do join him. In Deborah's song, she praises the tribes who found confidence in God and joined God, joined Barak in the battle. Tribes such as Zebulun and Naphtali, Issachar, Ephraim, and Benjamin they are praised for taking up the fight. But there are other tribes that did not do this, and they are denounced. Tribes such as Reuben and Asher and Dan, perhaps they were too lazy to fight. Maybe they lacked any faith in God's word at all. Maybe they simply couldn't be bothered to listen to God's call to fight. But for their lack of action, they are denounced. And this comes to a climax in Judges 5, verse 23. Curse Merah, says the angel of the Lord, curse its inhabitants thoroughly, because they did not come to the help of the Lord. Meroz was most likely sitting near the battlefield, but they refused to heed God's call to join in the battle. So they are cursed for it. Let us take that to heart. Our Lord Jesus says, Whoever is not for me is against me. Christ calls us to take up our cross and follow him and refusing to do so brings judgment. So let us join Christ. Join him in the battle against sin and Satan. And even those of little account of little strength can gain great victories in the Lord. Let us be encouraged. Let's trust in the Lord. We might be weak in faith like Barak That's okay. That's okay. Just joining God in the battle is enough. God promises us victory in Christ. The Spirit says through Paul in Romans 16, verse 20, God will soon crush Satan under your feet. So be of good courage, join God in the battle, and fight the good fight of the faith. Amen.